Welcome to episode 668 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I am Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm home after a week on the road. The Red Sox are 2-8. and eight. I honestly couldn't be better. Well, that is a, a nice start to the season. Unfortunately, I don't know what the Dodgers are right now, but they're better than my Giants, so uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, though we did, t- didn't the, the Giants just take two out of three from you guys? No. no. Today's the rubber game, dude. Oh, no, sorry. You lost, you lost opening day. You won mm. yesterday mm, because okay. because Ryan Yarbrough uh, – um, Made, made Jeff Samarja's point rather well yesterday. Jalen Beeks and Ryan Yarbrough came in, and yeah, Ryan Stanek pitched well in the opener, but Beeks and Yarbrough, I guess the, I guess the Giants lineup was like, hey, Shark, we got your back here, dude. We hate this stuff, too. And they just laid a whooping five spot. I mean, they scored more runs in one inning than they had all season, I think. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm gross. Uh, um- very uh, slowly growing concerned about all 15 of my Jeff Smarja shares this year. So, uh, But we'll get to that another time. Joining us as well is a special guest. It's Alex Fast from PitcherList.com. Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Uh, thank you. I'm very, very excited to be here. I'm very excited to talk about some of these raised starters because I believe they still have the best ERA in all of baseball. Hell yeah. Which is kind of wild to me. Who's got uh, the worst ERA in all of baseball? Uh, it is the Cubs. <laughs> it well, is who's the next? Cubs. Uh, the Diamondbacks. Well, the Red Sox are there somewhere. Are they, on, they're the Red Sox. Yeah, the Red. Yeah, the Red Sox are are right after the Diamondbacks, and then the Nationals. But then after yesterday's games, it might have actually changed. the 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 Red Sox deserve to have the worst ERA in all of baseball. I'll definitely tell you that much. They got walked off last night, as as I tweeted at Jared Carabas. I hate to see that because that's one of his favorite taglines. So I had to throw it back at him. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Since Yes, since yesterday when I tweeted that out about the lowest ERA, the Red Sox jumped up to the second worst ERA in all of baseball. They have catapulted the Diamondbacks. Well, good yes. for them. I, I'm <laughs> Straight into my veins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll be talking about uh, a lot of hot and cold players. Uh, definitely uh, a Red Sox pitcher on that cold players list. So. Uh, but first, let's uh, before we jump in, actually, Alex, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself, where you produce on social media, uh, and all that good stuff. Yeah, sure. So, so before I even get into that, I, I want I would be remiss if I mentioned that you guys were not only the first ever fantasy baseball podcast I ever listened to, but the first ever podcast I ever Ooh. listened. to. Wow. Um, it, it, it is truly, really an honor to be here with you guys today. Is This has definitely been a, a dream of mine for, for years. Um, and now that I'm here, it's it's nice to know that uh, I just should have been dreaming bigger all along. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but you can, you can find me on uh, Twitter at AlexFast8. And then, yeah, I'm putting out um, some content coming up soon about uh, a new metric that we're working on called CSW Rate, created by Nick Pollock over at PitcherList. So I've got an article coming out soon uh, that you can check out at PitcherList. Hey, i got to ask real quick about that i honestly every time i see csw i want to say it's called strike weight <laughs> okay like with a lisp kind of thing i see csw i'm like oh is that called strike weight just had to throw that in because again every time i see your list in the morning i'm like hey that's great but i have i'm like oh, i'll just wait to talk to alex because i i've just been honestly living on twitter this week and not reading much so i said sure. csw i'm like i'm just gonna ask alex please explain what csw is yeah 
Uh, sure. So called uh, CSW rate is a metric that, uh, like I said, is created by Nick, and that's called strikes plus whiffs over total pitches. Just to get wow, a good beautiful. idea of what a uh, yeah, it's just to get a good idea of what a pitcher is looking like on any given day. I'm going to write a little bit more about this in this upcoming article, but we found that it actually has a very stick- sticky correlation to overall K rate. I'm still trying to determine when that uh, when we have enough data where that becomes a viable thing. But as the season progresses, what I'm going to do is start comparing every pitcher CSW rate to what they are doing to that year's average. Right now, we're just comparing it to their last start. Um, but moving forward, we're going to compare it to an average. We're also going to get an average CSW rate for each of the teams that they're facing, which could be really helpful in DFS. Uh, uh, yeah, DFS, if Chris Paddock is going up against like the Blue Jays or something in some interleague game, then he might become a little bit more viable, even though he hasn't had a lot of whiff ability. Something crazy about Paddock, he had 20 foul balls and two strike counts yesterday, hey. which I think is a little bit worrying for me personally. That's, but a Luke I don't Weaver, so that's like Luke Weaver territory. Honestly, yeah, yeah, it's it's not it's not really exciting. And I, I'm a little bit worried that he might not be I, I still think he's going to be good, but I, I'm he's trending in the direction where he's not going to be like a K guy. Like he's just going to be able to put the ball where he wants it and maybe induce weak contact. But these first two starts kind of have me believing like, all right, maybe he's not going to be this like 23, 24 percent K rate guy that we think he might be. So what you're what I'm hearing is that you're pretty much on your way out at pitchers list because I didn't think you were allowed to be like not in the Chris Paddock. Oh, my God. Corner. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) yeah please if any of you guys are hiring nick is trying to push me out also if i say one curse word on this podcast i am excommunicated from the community so no no you can go ahead and curse on this one so if you need to like get it out because this is what's not going on we have a limit of three these days yeah use them wisely (laughs) okay i'll I'll, I'll save my bullets like the red sox are doing with every pitcher they have i i don't edit so uh, I am like, <laughs> uh, unless something goes really horribly wrong, uh, my production uh, skills allow me to just not do anything other than kind of just try to take out the ambient noise in the background. I love it. You're trying to give uh, our listeners the real experience, right? Yes, yes. Uh, so let's let's talk about some uh, notable transactions. Uh, Jeremy Jeffress uh, is headed out on a rehab assignment. Uh, so the question becomes, since they have not signed Craig Kimbrell uh, and not really addressed the closer situation in, outside of putting Josh Hader there, is Jeffress the future closer for the Brewers, uh, Alex? Yeah, you know, I think you kind of have to think that he does get the lion's share of saves moving forward. Um, I think I saw something yesterday that did say that when he comes back, Hader is going to return to more of the setup kind of fireman role. Um, I think they do that also because they've just been they've been doing the opposite of what the Red Sox have been doing. They've been going to him like crazy, and I think they aren't too happy about that, and they will probably want to save him a little bit for the rest of the season. Alex Wilson has also been great so far for the rest of the year. He's worked four scoreless with a 70.75 whip, 33% K rate. The thing about Jeffress that gets me really excited is he was one of 17 pitchers last year to have four pitches with a P-Val over one. His curve, his splitter, his sinker, and his two-seamer. Actually, they all had P-Vals over two. Um, now, P-Val obviously is not predictive but money pitches, which is another stat we like to kind of throw around a pitcher list, is a little bit more predictive. A money pitch is 40% O swing, 40% zone rate, 15% swinging strike rate. Jeffress was the only reliever in 2018 to have two money pitches in his curveball and his splitter. So if his rehab goes well and he comes back 100%, I think this is like a top 10 saves holds guy for the rest of the year moving forward. 
I just want to uh, mention that uh, probably when you uh, d- did your prep for this episode, uh, Fangrass had, hadn't updated from uh, that day's stats because Alex Wilson got bombed yesterday. Oh, did he really? For six earned runs in a third of an inning. Uh, Get out of here. Yeah, I did my notes last night at midnight. So, yeah, so no it, update. It hadn't yeah. updated yet. So, yeah, his ERA is currently uh, 12.46, which is exactly his K9. That's, you know, I always thought it was good to just spout small sample sizes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I probably learned my lesson on that. <laughs> Jason, what are your thoughts on Jeffress? Yeah, I think it's. I think he gets the job too. Eventually, once he comes back, I mean, they miss. It seems like they are using Hater a ton, but I don't know how that changes if they push him down because every time they're in a, a tight, high leverage situation, they're going to want to go to him mm-hmm. because they know he can just shut down a lineup and. That's honestly where I see him going. I liked what I saw with Jeffress last year. I think that's what they really want to do here and and go back to what got them where they were last year uh, in that formula. And yes, Cadable's out of the picture. Uh, if they haven't signed Kimball by now, that's not going to happen. So the, if, if, if Jeffress had not gotten hurt in spring training, he would have been the guy to get the job out of the gate and we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Do you think there's any chance they sign Kimball in June once the, uh, uh, the pick... Uh, stuff that they have to give up in order to sign him uh, kind of comes off the table. I don't know. I don't know if anybody can afford to wait until June. Neither neither Kimbrel or other teams. I mean, these these things tend to work themselves out, and I don't want to wait because if you got to wait that long, then you're really not getting him until July. I mean, yeah, he could be doing whatever he wants to right now, pitching, staying fresh, whatever throughout this offseason, but you can't just walk off mm-hmm. some backfield and into the ninth inning of a situation. I don't care how experienced you are. So if you're going to wait until that deadline, then you got to at least put a couple of more re- you know, rehab assignment, all that stuff there, and then he's in. So are you really willing to wait half the season uh, in order to do this? So uh, we'll see how this all plays out, but I don't, I don't see Craig Kipple staying unemployed until Jim. Yeah, there, I don't there, either. There must be something going on if, like, all, all, there have been so many horrendous bullpen starts from from the Cubs, <laughs> from the Nationals, that, like, there has to be – he must have done something personal to one of these owners that they're just, like, real. we haven't heard anything. Like, it's it's crazy to me. 6-100. If you start the season uh, with a 6-100 offer, that's what, you, that's what your starting point was. I don't know how far down somebody's willing to go at this point. I mean, uh, the I mean, agent's got to be sweating gotta bullets. be willing to go 240, right? And yeah, I, I would think that considering we saw mm-hmm. other, you don't think anybody was willing to go two forty? Not on a reliever. Oh, not on a reliever. I, I just don't see it. I, I, what I see is one, one year. I mean, at least at a one year deal. I don't. One twenty five. Because I mean, he turned down one eighteen. Yeah, maybe he should just do the Bauer thing and just take one year deals. Just like keep doing one year deals at twenty million a year, yeah, and he'll be fine. You can't do that after thirty. I mean, not as a reliever. Yeah. That just, I think, I'm guessing he wanted, yeah, that six one hundred and was willing to come down a little bit, but probably wanted at least four or five years. And teams he just went in the third round that. of my reserves this weekend. Uh, yesterday, I had my last draft AL wow. league. And he went in the third round of the reserve. First two wow. passes, he just went. You know, guy. One guy in my league now has uh, Vlad Jr. and Wander Franco as his two top prospects. Wander Franco fell to the third overall pick in the reserves. It wow. went uh, Kyle Tucker, Sal Perez, and then what? then uh, Wander Franco. Ten dollar round. Why did I Sal Perez go there? 
I was losing my mind. I'm like the guy who already has he's a loaded team. He should win it every year. Last year he finished seventh, but I'm looking at it. I'm like, he's picking third. I know he's going to take Franco if he falls to him. And I'm like, the guy in front of him has to be thinking this too. And I just wanted to start going to a coughing fit. Franco, Franco. And he starts <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Ryan McMahon is hurt. He's hitting the DL, uh, so or IL. I apologize. Uh, that 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 one is going to be hard for me to quit for quite a while. This is uh, going to be difficult. But uh, McMahon going on the IL. Does this mean more time for Garrett Hampson, or is this going to mean more time for someone like Ramil Tapia or Mark Reynolds, Jason? It's the Rockies. We know what it means. It's going to be more time for Mark Reynolds. <laughs> Who's the oldest, worst guy for the position? That's the guy the Rockies are going to play, and it's going to be Mark Reynolds. And they've already said we're gonna we're gonna use Mark Reynolds, and I forgot who the other guy, who the other part Malika. of the platoon is going to be at first. Yes, yeah, that's Malika. what they're gonna. Let's use two right-handed guys in a platoon situation. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the mean tweets by the way the other day? No, there was a meet tweets on the Rockies. They had Mark Reynolds and, and somebody had tweeted. There's Mark Reynolds again. And the capitalized the K and Mark Reynolds looks up and he goes, they could have at least spun the K around. Right. <laughs> 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 I was like, that's a nice self-deprecation there. But yeah, that's where I see it. it's going to be Mark Reynolds. Alex, are, are you getting disillusioned by Garrett Hampson? Because not only is he not really played as much as we thought he should, he's also kind of sucked to start the year. Is, should people start dropping him? No, I don't necessarily. I just they're, they're, the entire offense really was kind of off to a sluggish start there to begin with. I mean, it looks like now they're going to be hitting him like seventh, uh, even though I think he's been hitting a little bit higher up in the order. I, I, I just think it's like, yeah, I'm not ready to, to drop him quite yet. Uh, I'll give him another week, and then at that point, then, you know, we'll see how he's doing. But, like, it, if the argument kind of goes like this. If you're going to drop Garrett Hampson for how his slow start, then what do you think about Colton Wong, who's, like, off to the hardest, like the hottest start of his life? You know what I mean? Right. It's like th- those things have to exist mutually with one another. So either you're keeping Colton Wong for the rest of the year because all, all of a sudden he's amazing, or, you know, that that's just kind of how I see these situations. And there's a couple of things to consider here. You know, with with the Rockies, they, they trained in Arizona. They opened the season in Miami, then went to Tampa Bay, and then finally just got home. And so this yeah. is their first time playing at home. Um, and then you also have, like, I would say the same thing about Brian Dozier. There was a, I think Ryan Bloomfield had tweeted out, or, yes. or uh, Bat Flip Crazy was saying, oh, yeah, hey, Dozier's faced Syndergaard and 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 Mats and Wheeler, like, and DeGrom, he's, like, faced all these Mets and Phillies. And so, yeah, he's off to a slow start, but guess what? He's got to face a lot of Mets and Phillies throughout the rest of the year, thanks to the unbalanced schedule. But with mm-hmm. the Rockies, I always look to see, you know, how many home games have they played? And they barely, this is their first home series against yeah, the Dodgers. Yeah, this is and first Cody one. Bellinger is just completely destroying them uh, at yeah. this point, like everybody else. But, you know, they just got back home. So chill out with the Rockies a little bit. Don't worry about the slow start because you didn't expect them to hit in Miami and they ran into Blake Snell and, and Tampa Bay. That was, uh, that was unfortunate. They, I think they had to get Snell and Charlie, Charlie Morton. Morton. Mm-hmm. And, and just a two, was it just the two games? Did they no, no. Game last and, no, they got Yanni Chirinos, I believe. Chirinos, yeah. I mean, they just got buzzed Yar- Well, they got Yarborough. Well, oh, no, got they got Yarborough. Yeah, they got Yarborough because Chirinos got the Astros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was the one nothing. I mean, the one win they had was the one nothing in extra innings because uh, uh, Chaz Rowe hung a slider to uh, Chris Iannetta. Yeah, and yeah. they all, and and Hampson also got 
Pablo Lopez's gem. So I think he's just run into the on the games that he started. He's kind of run into guys who are who are throwing the ball well or or stud pitchers. And so I, I'm not worried about Garrett Hampson at all. I have lots of shares. Uh, I think if anything, these injuries uh, now to uh, McMahon and Murphy kind of solidify that he should get full-time playing time moving forward, uh, at least until one of the, or both of those guys come back. So uh, he's going to have at least 10 plus days to get this all kind of going and figured out because they don't really have a ton of options. So uh, I think he's going to be just fine and uh, uh, should play uh, pretty regularly moving forward. Well, what do you guys think about Raimel Tapia, though? Because I feel like a lot of people were like, Raimel Tapia, you know, he's he's he deserves his chance. He deserves his chance. And he started off really poorly as well. He's out of options, though. That's the only reason mm-hmm. why they, he's going to stick on the club. He's out of options. Well, and he's one of the few lefties they have, the only lefty coming off the bench. So uh, I, I think he'll play. I think they're going to give Mark Reynolds, uh, you know, the occasional day off. And uh, Desmond can move over to first and... Tapia can can go out into the feet, out into the outfield, uh, mm-hmm. but I they seem to not really love Tapia. Like they like him just enough not to DFA him or trade him, but they hate him so much they're unwilling to play him most of the time. Yeah. So uh, I don't know that th- this necessarily changes a lot of that because they seem pretty stoked to play Mark Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Jason, you added uh, Ronald Guzman uh, injuring a hamstring strain, uh, so I have to ask you, why do we care? Well, I added that because if you know we got we have to cater to our AL only uh, folks too that listen to the do podcast, we? and if and if yes, we do because uh, I play in a number of those leagues, uh, and this podcast is half my research. So the <laughs> when I <laughs> when I when I look at the situation, if 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 Guzman has to go to the disabled list because of this. Do we see Joey Gallo go to first and maybe Willie Calhoun come up oh, or do we boy. see Pence or do we see Pence go to the outfield and, and Gallo go to first base? But when you look at the current 25 man roster, there's not enough. Gallo is the backup first baseman. And if he's going to come mm-hmm. out, maybe Calhoun comes up. That's why I wanted to bring it up. The only, Calhoun is off to a nice start in AAA. The only reason I say no is because they have a series in Arizona coming up. So mm-hmm. without a DH there, they're really in a predicament. I don't think they want to start both uh, Chu and Calhoun in the outfield. Well, they could also do a few things, too, because theoretically, I think they could still shift Estrubo Cabrera over to first if he needed to. I think mm-hmm. Kiner Falefa could still also play first. Um, yeah, but if you want to have both catchers in your lineup, mm, run the yeah. risk of run the risk of something happening. I don't know. I know a lot of I know a lot of guys are reticent to use that second catcher. Uh, I know the you know Wilson Ramos used to DH every now and then. You're like, I okay, think, great. I think it's going to be something pens. happens. You lose the DH a catcher, uh, that kind yeah. of thing. I think it's yeah, I agree. I think pens. it's going to be Pence. I agree. I think they move Gallo over to first and just put Pence in every day. I mean, they had him hitting fourth against lefties, so it's like I think they're willing to just bat him low in the lineup and, and put him in the, the Arizona outfield. outfield. That should be fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, or or they or like uh, Alex is saying, they can put Forsyth in uh, at third and, and move uh, Cabrera over to first. So uh, Logan Forsyth gives Forsyth gives me all the sads. He was so good a few years ago. He was and his hard yeah. contact whoosh, gone. Yeah, that's, that's, and I and I kept I kept paying for it too. So up and disappeared like a fart in the wind. Just <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're gonna move on to our uh, hot and cold players section. 
Uh, for those who weren't with us last season, typically on Sunday, uh, Jason and I, uh, and sometimes Paul when he's able to join us, or if we have a guest, uh, the guest, we'll talk about hot and cold players, uh, and then we'll kind of go, kind of dig into some two-start pitchers for the week. Uh, just a reminder, though, with more days off this season, less two-start pitchers, uh, which means the, the pool is uglier. <laughs> so, <laughs> But let's start off yes. with the uh, hot players. Uh, nobody's hotter right now than Cody Bellinger. Uh, he's just pretty much hitting everything out of the park right now. Uh, so, Alex, how much of this is sustainable, and is this growth from uh, kind of the struggles we've seen in you know the last year or so? I, I have to admit I completely misinterpreted because I thought these were just the most attractive players in the game that you that you were yes. talking about. And I no, was, that is I was wondering why is. we're leading off. Oh, it is. Okay, great. Okay. So good. Then my research is perfect. Um, six foot four, very handsome, uh, nice dark features, <laughs> uh, good good smile. Uh, no, uh, so Cody Bellinger. I mean, his problem last year was that he really just couldn't hit lefties at all, and this year he's certainly trending in the right direction. He's just hitting like last I checked, it was like three seventy five against them. It could have gone down uh, since yesterday. But I took a look at all the lefties that he's getting hits off to start the year. I mean, he's got a grand slam off Madison Bumgarner. Sorry, uh, Justin. Um, he's got uh, singles off Tony Watson, Derek Holland, Drew Pomerantz, and Robbie Ray, another tater off Tyler Anderson. He's got this kind of interesting newfound plate discipline too, with a sub 15% K rate to start the year over 42 plate appearances, which is obviously a laughably small sample size. Um, but it, it looks right now he's kind of just like absolutely feasting off of fastballs and chasing considerably less. His O swing on virtually every type of pitch is down. He's seeing a bit more more fastballs than what you'd expect compared to last year, which makes sense considering he only hit 230 off of fastballs last year. Um, I feel about him the same way I kind of feel about another guy we're going to talk about in a little while and Yoan Mankata. It's way too early to see if the changes in plate discipline are for real. But what's exciting is he's at least trending in the right direction, and you should enjoy the fact that he's gotten off to such a hot start considering so many other guys have gotten off to such a sluggish start. Jason, any uh, anything to add on that one? No, no. That's, uh, you know, when... All growth isn't linear. It just really comes mm -hmm. back down to that point. Somebody starts yeah. out, somebody slows down, and then they they rebound it. We're, we've seen a, a few guys like the of, like that of late, where you get disappointed, and that's where the buying opportunities have been. And that's that's what we're seeing. This is a nice start. Obviously, the uh, the production is uh, out of this world, uh, insane. There's there's a I'm not even going to use the tired line. No, there's a real truth somewhere in between. Of course, he's not this awesome. Uh, there's going to be some valleys here, but. Overall, the growth that this is the kind of stuff we expected to see from him as he as he matured as a player. Yeah, his contact rates right now are insane and completely unsustainable, especially his eighty eight percent O contact percentage. Uh, <laughs> just, yeah, know. but that could be like six. That could be like six out of seven. Yeah, like, exactly. He, and seven, that, he swung so. at seven pitches out of the zone and hit six of them. So, so you're saying his his near sixty percent hard contact isn't going to stick throughout the entire? Year? I, I have a hard time believing that. So <laughs> okay, I mean his swing is it's not like he's made a swing change. I kind of took a look at his swing last night, uh, compared it to uh, last season. There, there's no like real change in his swing. He's just he's got a little bit of an improved approach. Uh, and like Alex says, we got to kind of have a little bit larger sample to see if that's actually going to stick. Right now, he's mm -hmm. just seeing the ball well and creaming it, um, and that's going to come back down to earth. That being said, uh, I feel like, um, at least me especially, but I think the industry as a whole, uh, kind of slept on Cody Bellinger uh, coming into this year. He, he did come at a discount because of the struggles last season, uh, and I think this could be – I mean, he's already what uh, – a quarter of the way to last year's homer total. 
Yep. Yeah, but, I mean, so. if, if I could say this, I mean, we we got to put we have to put in, and I'm using arrow quotes here, mm-hmm. strength of schedule into play too. How because, dare you? Yes, I mean they had Arizona. <laughs> they had Arizona for four games, and Arizona has one pitcher, and the Dodgers beat him up rather uh, rather well too. Uh, then they had the Giants for three, and now they're playing at Colorado. How then again, it's not gonna get, it's not like it gets tougher. Yeah, because that's... what they go to St. Louis, then they have Milwaukee and Cincinnati and Milwaukee and Chicago. It's like they don't they don't really get to a uh, a tough run environment until Pittsburgh at the end of the month. They're mm-hmm. in a lot of friendly like the Dodgers could go on a a nice roll. I mean, St. Louis de- neutral run environment. Pittsburgh, I consider a pitcher's park. Yeah. So they are in a lot of nice situations until the end of the month. But then well, they yeah. get the Giants. So all is well. Well, and that's the thing. Like, as much as I love to point out strength the schedule uh, with Cody Bellinger as a reason to kind of detract from what he's doing, because obviously he can't continue what he's doing at the same rate. But uh, one of the other guys we're going to talk about here in a minute was uh, Carlos Rodon. Like, you, you you look at kind of the strength of schedule he's faced, but this is his division. This is who yep, he's yeah. going to face, and at yeah. some point you got to go. Well, that's not necessarily a knock. It should be a plus in his direction. Totally. Yeah, uh, absolutely with Rodon. Uh, let's move on and talk about the uh, aforementioned uh, Yon Moncada. Uh, Moncada has started off the season extremely hot as well, hitting three seventy nine, uh, two home runs. Jason, what are your thoughts on Yon Moncada? This gets back to what I was saying with Ballinger earlier. We expect, you know, Moncada was just destroying the minor leagues. Oh, please call him up. And then he came up and he really struggled with plate discipline, like really struggled with plate discipline. Lots of holes in a swing that honestly were present when he was here in Charlotte. You could see it when he was here, but it's like you could still see he was the best player on the field, too, uh, when he when he did that. So, you know, you look at all the strikeouts last year, all the concern around that. At the end of the day, you have to believe in the talent and and the youth. And he's this is the kind of start. But to your point, this is the division. As long as he doesn't run into the buzzsaw that is the Cleveland starting pitching staff, <laughs> he's got a good chance to put up a lot of good numbers this year in an unbalanced schedule. Alex, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I kind of uh, was digging a little bit deeper into Moncada yesterday, even before I knew that we were going to talk about him. Uh, and I noticed that of the 11 hits he's recorded so far this season, eight of them have come off of fastballs, with two of them coming off of changeups and one coming off of a curveball, um, which to me doesn't – it just shows that, like, okay, what happens when he sees a lot more breaking pitches? Um, he's been thrown uh, – I think now it's 22 sliders – uh, and he hasn't recorded a single hit off of that yet. And now that definitely might not be as bad as it sounds. It seems like his plate discipline, like we mentioned with Cody Bellinger, is trending. <clears throat> excuse me, is trending in the right direction. Um, and it could be something where he's waiting out the breaking pitches a little bit earlier, and then kind of seeing more fastballs at the end of the at bat. Uh, you know, when pitchers are trying to work their way back into the count and just demolishing them. Um, and and that would be exciting to see. His F strike isn't really down all that much, and his contact numbers are extremely elevated. His 15% K rate from two days ago is already on. The rise is near about 19%, which is, I mean, obviously it's not going to be sub-20 for a guy like him. Uh, he struck out twice again yesterday, two change-ups from Mike Leake and Brandon Brennan. Of course. Dude, the sinker Who wouldn't Brennan. strike out? Oh, yeah, the sinker. It was. <laughs> oh, it, it was is. so nasty. There it is. That's what got the K. Um, I think moving forward, I just want to see how pitchers are going to approach him. If they're going to approach him a little bit different, differently. If they see that his F strike is down, maybe they attack him with fastballs a little bit earlier in the count and then just start feasting him on sliders and and, and uh, other breaking pitches again. So I'm not fully sold. Once again, it's like Cody Bellinger. You're happy if you own him that you got him pretty cheap probably and he's off to a nice start. But like this is a guy who posted back-to-back seasons of 30-plus K rates. It, it, it's it's going to stabilize. 
I want to see the, I mean, the encouraging thing so far with the small sample size earlier, it doesn't take much for this one to, to stabilize is his swinging strike rate is a single digit number for mm-hmm. the first time. I mean, it was 12-6, 12-2, it's 8-3 so far this year. That's encouraging. That's the kind of growth we want to see because, again, he would get himself out swinging through too many pitches. And, and his contact rate within the zone is 88%, and he's never been over 80%. You've had to round up to get him there. So those are things you want to watch over the next couple of weeks because it doesn't take that long for that to stabilize. And then if, if we're seeing if that swinging strike rate stays down in the single digits, and again, really favorable division outside of one team's rotation, which we're not even sure is going to stay together all year long, uh, could be a good year for him. Yeah, I agree, but at the same time, I, I want to see what happens when he stops getting so many fastballs because uh, right now he's he, his swing percentage in itself is up uh, over 5%. Uh, and You know how that works out, though? How? Fastballs early in the count. Let's yeah. see who starts yeah. pitching him with non-fastballs exactly. early in the count. That's, yeah. yeah. So, and once that, because, I mean, like you said, he's got an almost 88% zone contact percentage, but he's also got an almost 70% uh, O contact percentage. So, like, he, he's making a ton of contact. That isn't necessarily sustainable. I'm interested to see how this proceeds because if this is a guy who can improve his contact rates uh, and can kind of lay off some of those outside pitches, uh, he's got a ton of talent. I mean, this guy's got power, speed, and the ability to walk. So uh, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I'm less uh, convinced or... Uh, uh, willing to buy in that this is a sustainable change in the same way that maybe uh, the next guy is uh, uh, kind of having uh, some success. That is the aforementioned Carlos Rodon. Uh, started off the season very well. Like I said, uh, he's gone against two lackluster offenses in Kansas City and Cleveland. However, those are teams in his division that he's going to get to see a lot. So, Alex, what are your thoughts on Carlos Rodon? Listen, I, I hate to destroy that transition that was so lovely that gave me pure chubs, but I wanted to ask one question to Colette real quick in that you keep saying, okay, uh, Cleveland's that, that main rotation, Cleveland's that main rotation. Second best rotation in baseball right now is that elite Tigers rotation with Jordan Zimmerman, <laughs> Matthew Boyd, and Spencer Turnbull. Uh, now, I'm saying that a little tongue-in-cheek, but when I am a little what, – what happens when Yohan Moncada runs into Matthew Boyd's uh, – Slider, that's not going to go pretty well. Or Turnbull. I mean, it just. Yes. <laughs> I I think maybe we're, I, I, I'm definitely excited. I know Spore is probably happy that he could finally watch some good Tigers uh, baseball, but they've had some very hot starts. Oh, he excited. wasn't high on Matt Boyd coming into the season, though. He was I not. Remember, I remember in labor saying, hey, we should take Matt Boyd in the reserves. I don't want that garbage. His <laughs> exact words. Are you serious? Well, he was higher on him early in draft season. And then we started looking at that defense. Yeah, and, that's what it came down to. And and it was like, ooh, I don't know. But like uh, like Paul mentioned in the episode, him and, uh, he and I just had, uh, you don't have to worry about the defense if you just strike everybody else out. Hundred percent. I I am very excited to see what happens with Matt Boyd because in his last start he just went fastball slider. We haven't even seen what happens when he brings his changeup or his curveball into the mix. He said bye to the sinker, which is great, and I want to see like if he can have that third pitch, if that changeup can get there, then I mean he's like I don't think he's going to end the year on the Tigers if that's the case. Anyway, I'm sorry <laughs> I derailed us there for a second. You brought up Carlos Rodon. Um, I wasn't really too excited about his first start against the Royals as I feel he just kind of left a lot of four seamers over the heart of the plate. I think his slider looked good and and that was nice to see, but at the end of 
the day, he had this really subpar 25% CSW rate called strikes plus whiffs over total pitches. That really wasn't too much to write home about. In terms of averages, anything below 30 is not going to be that great. 30 to 35 is going to be good. 35 and above is going to be elite. So 25 is is not really what you want to see. Um, his second start was actually a little bit better in terms of CSW rate. He had a 36%, which is great. An insane amount of whiffs on his slider. 14 swinging strikes on 49 thrown. Um, with that said, I thought the slider location actually regressed from his first start. I thought the fastball stayed in the zone, and so did many of the sliders. I will say this. I'm sort of curious to see how this develops. In his first two starts, Rodon hasn't thrown a single sinker as well. It's so funny that we just brought up Boyd because, to me, Carlos Rodon is kind of like a less sexy Matthew Boyd right now. They have the same fastball velocity sitting around 91-92. Carlos Rodon has the harder slider, but he doesn't seem to be able to have the same consistent slider command that Matthew Boyd does. He gets the Rays and the Yankees next week in a two-start week. I'll be curious to see if they can punish him a little bit more if he's staying in the zone as much. The Yankees obviously a little bit depleted offense, but the Rays... I love those rays. Uh, so I'm excited to see uh, how he progresses. The big question for him is consistency. If he can stay consistent, then yeah, he should be someone you should be uh, a little bit more interested in owning. Jason. So I mean, this is one of the guys I would have I would have hinted at as you know, you were di- you you expected a lot. You were disappointed. I mean, with the with his inconsistent command, this is what you would expect somebody who had the, the shoulder surgery that caused him to miss time in 17 and 18 working it back. The uh, the walks have, have been the issue for him. I'm going to say I haven't watched either of his starts yet, but I still believe in the talent that was there. And really for him coming off the shoulder surgery, you want to see where the velocity was because the shoulder is your velocity engine. Uh, and he's 91, 92, uh, which is a, a little lower than where he once was, but still yeah. still effective uh, to that point. I and think in the two-star week the against the Yankees and the Rays, I'm not interested in this week. Uh, even though the Yankees are a little depleted, uh, they still match up favorably favorably against most lefties. Um, and you know, Tampa Bay offense, same kind of thing. Uh, that's in a two start week. I know uh, there's there's only like seven teams I think that have uh, seven games this week and a good chance at two start two start pitchers. This is one of the ones I avoid. Yeah, I don't think I necessarily want him for this week, but I am interested for the long term because uh, that I I did watch that last start. I was impressed. And the thing that returned, uh, that has returned so far this year, that hadn't returned last year, is the strikeouts. I mean, he's already yeah. got 15 strikeouts through 11 and a third innings. Uh, I think this is something. This is a guy who's who's very mechanically sound, uh, and I think this is something that people should be at least picking up and kind of stashing. Uh, like like I think Alex and Jason both mentioned, with this upcoming schedule, you don't don't necessarily want to start him, especially in a a weekly league where you could get just murdered in two starts, but uh, definitely a guy that should be on rosters, I think, in 12-team leagues. Which is exciting. I mean, it, the silver lining to that is like, fine, let him have a poor start against the Yankees, get mm-hmm. that out of the way, let people drop him, and then you can pick him up. Yep. Uh, let's talk about guys who are not hot right now. Do, uh, wait, do you want to talk oh, about Matt Shoemaker or no? Oh, did, did I miss the, Shoemaker? Um, I apologize. I I, I have to let Jason take his victory lap. No, so. go please. J- Jason. Yeah, victory laps are amateurish, but I'm going to enjoy this one because I <laughs> in the in the Rotowire magazine every year I write one about val- finding value in the scrap heap, and in the rebounding from injury section, this is the first guy I let off with was Matt Shoemaker, uh, and said before you know he came back late in the season, but the stuff looked really good especially the splitter. I mean, the fastball's blah, but if he can get ahead and locate his fastball, then he can use the splitter. 
doesn't matter how bad the fastball looks uh, in that regard. And he's used it so far. And getting back to our strength of comp, uh, strength of schedule, that's what's really benefited him. He's had Detroit and Baltimore and Cleveland, three lineups. Uh, well, uh, he's only pitched in two of those games, but that's that's who Toronto's opened up with. So he's benefited from a really nice schedule uh, against some rather terrible lineups. And so the strikeouts have been there. I'm just curious how long he's going to last for me. I'm just riding this train until it derails. Uh, if, and you want to, here's a crazy number. Like if you think of shoemaker home runs, uh, the ballpark's not a great place. You figure he's got a lot of start, you know, Boston, but the Boston lineup right now is ice cold. And he's got the Boston lineup coming up here this week. Uh, if he pitches on the ninth or the 11th, he doesn't have to face the Yankees until June 4th. I don't know how that even works in a, in a division, in the unbalanced scheduling, how one team doesn't play another one in the same division until the third month of the season. But the Yankees and, and Jays don't face one another until June fourth. That that you know that and by oh. then that line is probably fully healthy. By then we probably have the Matt Shoemaker train has derailed. But right now I'm just riding this out. Alex, I I love that you bring up when the Yankees play the Blue Jays. I didn't know it was so late, but that means that they're going to play them a lot in the second half of the season, yep. which means a lot of <laughs> Vlad Guerrero versus the Yankees. Uh, and if any team can keep the Yankees out of the playoffs, they are A-plus in my book. Um, because people forget the la- the Orioles have won the division more recently than the Yankees have. Thank you very much. Um, okay, Matt Shoemaker. Yes, he's just been spitting out crazy numbers. His splitter has been fantastic. Fantastic to start the year. He's thrown 62 of them, and batters are yet to record a single hit off of it. It's got a 30% swinging strike rate to it, a 56% <laughs> ground ball rate, and a 50% K rate right now. It is it, 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 video game numbers for Matt Shoemaker's splitter. Um, he's doing a great job elevating that four-seamer and then just burying the splitter. Um, yeah, I'm, you know... He does this against the Tigers and the Orioles, and I, I like a lot of people take it on Twitter, and they're like, "Yeah, whatever. It's just the Tigers. It's just the Orioles." It's like, yeah, okay, you want him to do this against those bad teams. You shouldn't be taking away from the fact that he dominated bad teams. What do you want him to do? Like, do you want him to struggle against bad teams? You want him to dominate these bad teams. I still want to keep, excuse me, keep an eye on his velo though, which hasn't really quite returned to what it used to be. I'm sure it'll get ramped up a little bit more. He was sitting 92 in his fastball for a lot of his career. It's a little bit below 91 right now. The big test, like you said, is is this week. It's not only Boston, but it's Boston's home opener um, against Chris Sale. The first time they can, you know, raise the World Series flag in Fenway. That energy is going to be crazy. Uh, they're probably oh, so sick. Oh. I know, I know, it's bad. It's bad. They're going to be looking to bounce, but you know, sometimes teams can't really handle that pressure, and they're coming off what is an awful start to the year on this West Coast road trip. So much, I'm putting so much pressure on the Red Sox for this one game because I want to see if Chris Sale can finally up that velocity. This is my final test with Chris Sale. I think he has to do it in Fenway, and this is going to be Shoemaker's biggest test. Personally, for me, I hope he gets shellacked because I'd like to pick him up because I do think those splitter. <laughs> That splitter is going to be really nice moving forward. I mean, his his underlying numbers are absolutely insane right now. He's got a twenty nine percent whiff rate. You yeah. look at, I was looking at he's right got, now. His he's whiff got rate it almost like in the low twenties. It's almost thirty percent this year. His his, his, his swing and strike rate is almost eighteen percent, and his O swing is forty three point five right now. It's oh just it's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's like Kirby Yates. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's like Kirby Yates numbers. I mean, yeah. it's just it's completely unsustainable. But uh, this, I think you have to kind of pick him up and, and ride him out. You you cannot start him at Boston. You cannot start him at Boston. Oh. 
You no. cannot start him at Boston. Though I think my main event team may be forced to start him at Boston because I have so many injuries. <laughs> um, so that being said, uh, if that's the team I have him on, I've got him on somewhere. Uh, that being so said, this is... Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> blown away by that. Uh, that being said, I think you ride this until the wheels fall off because it's almost assuredly going to happen. I mean, he hasn't pitched uh, 100 innings since 2016. Uh he hasn't been able to stay on the field for quite a while, and I, I, I'm not going to buy in that this is the year. That being said, you, you enjoy it, and then when he kind of uh, falls apart, you throw him off and go pick up the next guy. All right, now we can move over to the cold players. Uh, Jerks and Profar starting off extremely cold this season. Uh, let's see, he uh, he only has five hits and one walk in uh, his first 45 plate appearances. So, Jason, what are your thoughts on Jerks and Profar? Um, this was not getting into the victory lap piece because way too early on this, but I he was on my fade list for the uh, AL West bold predictions. Uh, I said I'm trying to pull it up right now uh, on him. I hinted at some pos- some reasons why I thought he was going to struggle. I said he's not a top 25 shortstop. Uh, I looked at um, you know, I looked at things along his where his expected outcomes were last year. Uh, you know, there was a 60-point gap between his actual slugging and expected the negative way, and he had benefited from a lot of softer contact. Uh, you know, the fact that his his launch angle and exit velocity peers were closer to Addison Russell, Denard Span, and Odebel Herrera. Then, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the kind of grouping that I was concerned about, and the fact that it, it you know, he they, right he was projected to hit leadoff early in the season, but they had guys that could that could accept their walks like Robbie Grossman uh, against lefties. Uh, no, the other way around against righties, uh, you know, Chad Pinder, possibly Ramon Liriano, uh, who is my new favorite player after just throwing Red Sox out all over the bases. Uh, and I was there when he threw Mookie Betts out on Thursday. Oh man. Wow. See him. What a shithole. Uh, anyhow. Uh, but yeah, that's, I, I was very concerned about Profar coming into the year because a, a lot uh, you look a lot of stuff and he overachieved last year. Now, again, that would be assuming he makes the same type of contact this year, but uh, not off to a good start. And this is the kind of stuff that drops you down to the bottom of the lineup in a place where other guys could step up there and stay there, leaving him down in the lineup. Alex, what are your thoughts on Profar? Yeah. I mean, I like, I, I don't know what people really expected. This isn't a guy that we were expecting to hit like 290. I mean, every, the, the most generous projection system was having him hit 250. Uh, I mean, he's got a 139 Babbitt right now. You can really kind of throw that out the window because you need many more plate appearances before that's going to regulate a little bit. But the 2% walk rate is, is obviously uh, a little bit scary and not exactly what you want to see. It looks like he's swinging in a lot of change up right now, which makes me think that he's maybe a little over eager. He's kind of expecting these fast balls he's getting these change-ups he's kind of striking out he doesn't have a single barreled ball uh mm-hmm. which is kind of funny to me so he he's making contact he's just making absolutely the wrong kind of contact um so yeah i i also was not really big on the jerks and profile train even though he i'm pretty sure he was one of the many uh multi-position eligibility guys coming into the year right yes yeah. yep and he so also usually, went from one of the best run environments to one of the worst to that worst was, yeah that exactly was thing that was on my uh on my plate and he's getting under the ball, which is exactly the last thing that you want to see in an environment that has so much foul ground, you know? So, like, I just, I don't know. It, when it came to multi-position eligibility, guys, I was much more interested in guys like Estrubal Cabrera than I was in Jerks and Profar. 
All right, let's uh, let's talk about Eduardo Rodriguez, who struggled through his first two starts. Alex, is this is it time to worry on Erod? Um, it's time to worry on every single pitcher in the Boston Red Sox staff. Uh, I mean, (laughs) I'm really getting the feeling that Colette does not like the Red Sox that much. (laughs) I don't know what it is about this podcast. I tried Uh, to hide my bias, but it just hates (laughs) to see that. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Um, yeah, he's, he's trending in the wrong direction. He got just five swing and misses in his last start against Oakland. He had 84 pitches and he got five whiffs. That's a problem. Um, like every other pitcher in a Red Sox uniform, his velo is down. Um, I, I don't know what they are doing, um, but I truly, I, I, and I don't even have the same bias, but I do hope they get burned for it because the only le- like logical explanation I have is they're just throwing away games so they can save their bullets for August and September. <laughs> and and I just hope they get burned for it because as a fan of the game, it is maddening to me. Uh, for Erod, it seems like he's going to his cutter a little bit more often, which I think makes sense. The people in spring in uh, were talking about it over spring training. There's a lot of hype about it. It just looked, it's not there yet. The cutter's not there yet. His changeup hasn't looked good. I, I, I don't really know what happens first. He turns it around or he gets injured, but I, I hope it's the former and not the latter. Jason, what are your thoughts on Erod? I want to say, all joking aside, I want to see him succeed because I that was one of my other bold predictions. It was a big breakout coming from him. Uh, again, I was at the game Thursday, watched him pitch, and really struggled with his uh, with his command. And then there was a particular fly ball to the gap that just fell in between Mookie Betts and Jackie Bradley Jr. Mm-hmm. It's like they both said they had it, and then neither of them had it. And Rodriguez did not recover well from that either. So that was, you know, that hung on him. I think it was two guys on base and it really should have been the second out of the game or of the inning. And it just literally fell in between the two guys. It was the strangest play between two guys that are excellent defensive outfielders. And he just didn't recover well from that. So I, I want to see this turn around, but uh, I'm not very encouraged. Uh, really, it's the command that's killed him. He's just putting too many free guys on base. Yeah, I wonder if he's one of those guys that struggles kind of in the early season, especially with the wet weather, because it was kind of, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, uh, in the Oakland start, kind of damp. Uh, no. It wasn't? No, I mean, it, it was just a lot of, but no, rain, uh, no rain at all. Okay, because last... Maybe it was on your side of the bay, but yeah, not ours. Maybe that's... Not, not when I was on, not ours. Not okay. when I was at the game Thursday, not a raindrop. All right. Well, then that that throws that out of the window. I will say that his uh, velocity being down isn't super concerning to me because it's pretty much right where it was uh, around last season at this time. So I think he's a guy that's going to build up as the season goes on. Uh, I, I just think this is early season struggle. I'm not too worried about it. If someone is worried about it in your league, uh, going by from May 10th on last year, uh, he had a 333 uh, ERA and uh, 26% K, uh, percent K rate. So I think he'll turn it on, uh, and I would try to buy low if, if someone's freaking out in your league. Uh, you bring up a, a great point about the, the velocity, too. It's like everyone's velocity is mm-hmm. down, not just the Red Sox, but like we just talked about three guys, and for all of them, we're like, well, his velo's a little bit down. So I want people to just remember that. Like if, if someone's velo's down at the end of this month, in the beginning of May, yeah, you can panic. But for now, it's go, fine. Go check people's velos from the beginning of last season like go to the game log on fan graphs you know and then sort by uh uh by what is it pitch values i think it is or pitch type it'll tell you the uh, type, yeah. the uh the average fastball velocity from every start uh and so you can look and kind of see where they were early on in the season last year and if it's similar to this year then don't worry about it if it's considerably more than it is now then start to worry so 
someone and why, and why is that, kids? Because guys build up uh, velocity as the season goes on. That and that and this is really the first time that they uh, have to worry about conserving. I mean, they spend spring training and and these controlled outings where it's like. 15 pitches, 25 pitches, 40 pitches, 60 pitches. And then you're like, okay, now I'm going to the start and I just can't throw a bull. I can't throw all of my bullets into a hundred. So, you know, I'm going to go up and down a little bit. Sometimes you're dealing with the colder weather. Like Ronaldo Lopez is a good example. You go look at Lopez and start one and start two. The results are terrible in both, but look at the velocity. I think his velocity jumped two and a half miles an hour from the first one to the second one. And I don't yeah. recall what the weather was in the first one, but I do recall opening day is 17 uh, Lopez was here in Charlotte, and I went to that particular game, and it was freaking cold. I mean, maybe 40 degrees at first pitch, and it got worse during the game. Uh, and I, you saw his fastball velocity go from 95 to like 91 in the game. Uh, and I remember reading something afterwards, and he's just like, yeah, I, I've never pitched in cold weather like that. I couldn't feel the baseball. And so you're trying to throw a baseball that feels like a cue ball, and you can't throw it. And so his first start was in Detroit. I'm assuming it was cold in the Detroit. Yeah, uh, it and, was. And you know, his, uh, I'm sorry, it was in Kansas City. Uh, and then he went, then he was home in Seattle in his next start. But go look at the velocity jump in that one. Uh, it, it's not unusual to see differences. I'm not freaking out about anybody's velocity right now. You uh, said, I, I wasn't able to answer because you said, what do you think about, what does that teach us kids? And I just fantasized about you being my dad for a good uh, <laughs> five minutes there. So I wasn't able to answer. Sorry. The sad he, part is I'm old enough to be your dad. Uh, oh, <laughs> He takes his kids to minor league baseball games too. So I mean that. Be... I love that. I love that. Uh, someone I am freaking out about is Willie Adamas because I have a number of shares of Willie Adamas this year, including I believe my TGFBI team, uh, which was in the top ten in the overall and no longer is. Largely, I think, thanks to Willie Adamas. So Jason, talk me off the ledge here. Should I start freaking out about Willie Adamas? So if we go back and, and pull the same card that we looked with Brian Dozier about who he's faced, I mean, Willie Adamas has opened up against uh, Justin Verlander, uh, Garrett, Garrett Cole, Cole uh, Andrew Marquez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's had he's Freeland. had the good Rockies pitchers, the good Astros pitchers, um, and now the Giants. But how you know, dare you? Got a hit. He got a hit yesterday, but he also he coming at one point yesterday. yesterday, Willie Adamas had a very nice. Triple slash line of 69, 69, 69. That was his, that was his actual triple slash. That, that's uh, the buying but, opportunity. Yes. <laughs> but the, the issue, the honestly, the at-bats look really bad. And, but it, it's, it gets really good pitching. And, and what I've seen is guys working them up on fastballs up and away or even up, uh, but staying. I mean, Willie Adamas has got a really quick bat and can turn on a fastball in the middle. And I've seen him go climb the ladder when he when he recognizes a fastball and go and get it and yank it out of the park. Uh, but if you work him away and then you and then you tunnel the slider off the same piece, his hips are already gone and he can't cover the plate. And I'm seeing a lot of that. We're getting ahead with the fastball and putting him away with the slider, or he's looking away and then they're coming and they're coming in because hit, even the best hitters struggle to cover both both parts of the plate. But he has not had a quality at bat, and I've seen all but maybe two of them. They just have not looked good. Even the hit yesterday was a seeing eye single type of thing. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's got it has to get better. Uh, he's just had a really rough run of pitching that he's faced. My concern is it's it's not like it's a shallow bench. 
And they could have da- Daniel Robertson uh, playing shortstop when Joey Wendell comes back. Maybe he gets it and he and Robertson. There's a chance that Adamas could be relegated to the bench or even worse, sent to AAA to work this out. But right now, his at-bats look like shit. Alex, are, are you buying yeah. in on Adamas at all? Well, uh, I, I'm definitely concerned. I mean, yes, he, he had he had two hits yesterday, so I think that does fit into your point about the the um, strength of the pitchers that he is seeing now that he's facing a little bit weaking, weaker pitch pitchers. Uh, he's kind of turning it on a little bit. I will say this. The one thing that I noticed about him, the two pitches that he struggled against the most last year were the cutter and the slider, and those, uh, not coincidentally, are the pitches he is seeing far more of to begin the year. Uh, he's seeing 10% more cutters and about 9% more sliders, so that has me a little bit more concerned that maybe the book is just kind of out on him a little bit. They're just like, we're just going to keep throwing him sliders until he can figure out how to hit him. Uh, so that does kind of scare me a little bit. All right. Uh, another guy that I'm highly invested in and freaking out about because uh, <laughs> he's destroying my ERA is Nick Pavetta. So, Alex, can you please talk me off the ledge? Because I'm getting really worried that he's going to keep giving up all these homers. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so, from what I've gathered, he's kind of just getting behind the count and then serving up these fastballs mm-hmm. or just, just completely like meatballs and they're just getting rocked. The problem is the reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Would you believe it? He didn't fix his fastball command. Um, like we said, the reason that's why he's getting behind in the gout and because this fastball is kind of erratic, the zone rate overall is still there. But from the starts I've seen, he just doesn't seem to have a great command for the pitch. It looks like as a result, guys aren't really just like buying into the breaking stuff at all. They're just not really obliging about the breaking stuff. I, I still do believe that this is a ship that can still write itself. Uh, but it, it, it begins and ends with the fastball command, though, and that's not going to be uh, an, an easy task for him. And he's obviously pitching in what is a more difficult division than it was last year. So, I, I mean, what are you going to do? You're not going to drop him. You can't really sell him for any price right now. So I think you just got to hold on for the next couple starts and see if you can fix that command. Jason? Hey, I think it's worth asking for I mean, because he was the, the helium boy this, this offseason. And the sure. concern was... Could he command? Could he command his fastball enough to use everything else to to get ahead and get further ahead? Uh, and so far, when he's had to come back to the fastball, hasn't been good. So, if, if somebody invested heavily in him, this is this is the time of year to ask. People do stupid stuff early in the season. Like, fine, yeah. I mean, I'm the guy that traded Colton Wong for Bryce Wilson before the season started. Oops. Uh, <laughs> I needed starting pitching. Somebody subdrafted for me, didn't get enough pitching. I made the trade, and now Wilson's in AAA, and Colton Wong is the early leader for, well, the second place for an LMVP behind Bellinger. Uh, so that's where you know, people do dumb things. I did a dumb thing. But again, when you're desperate for pitching and there's nothing to pick up in a, in a fab pool, and only they could do what you can. So I, I would at least ask around, but. Again, when you when you play with helium, sometimes you this is what happens uh, early on, and it can write it can fix itself. We all liked him for a reason. Uh, there is the potential there to be really good, but right now he is the command suffering, and so his results are. He doesn't have the stuff to get away with bad command. Only a few guys do. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit worried. I'm still gonna ride it out because I think. The, the upside is so great that if he does figure it out, but this is not a very good sign in terms of him getting things together. Uh, but I want to move on because we're almost at an hour. My wife wants to murder me already. Um, oh, she's having cinnamon toast French toast. Cinnamon I French know. toast for breakfast. I know, and I, I'm hungry <laughs> as well. So <laughs> so uh, let's move on. We'll talk about some two-start pitchers here. 
Uh, and what we're going to do is I will kind of throw out the tier. You guys tell me uh, which one of the of these uh, of the, each tier you want to uh, roster for this week. Uh, we're starting with guys who are 30 to 60 percent owned in CBS. Uh, Jake Junis is uh, home versus Seattle and home versus Cleveland. Jordan Zimmerman is home versus Cleveland and at Minnesota. Max Fried is at Colorado and home versus the Mets. Jason, who you got? Uh, give me Jake Junis against against Seattle and Cleveland. Okay. Uh, and uh, Alex? I cannot believe I'm saying this, but but give me Jordan Zimmerman. Yes! I just don't I don't think we can ignore the fact that he's cut his fastball usage down and started focusing oh, primarily sliders on sliders, sliders and his curveballs. That's what he's going to do, just sliders and curveballs. So mm-hmm. it's like if he's going to do that, I'm going to ride it until he's done. Cleveland's offense not as good as Seattle's. Minnesota, yeah. it's in Minnesota, so the home runs I don't think are going to be as big of an issue for him. I can't believe I'm saying it, but you got to ride with Jay-Z, I think. Yeah, for me, it's I do not want to go up against the Seattle offense right now until Tim Beckham stops hitting every single home run. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, but Judas oh. and the slider against that lineup. Yeah, it's a good that's point. That's where I'm going. Yeah. I mean, that I think, slider's a I think it's pitch. a win-win. I really think it's a win-win. I think you can do a, truly either of those guys and be fine. All right. Uh, let's move into the uh, lesser-owned guys. Uh, there's five guys in this tier. Marco Estrada is at Baltimore and at Texas. Uh, uh, Vincent uh, Velasquez is uh, home versus Washington and at Miami. Trevor Cahill is versus uh, Milwaukee and at Chicago. Jose Urena at Cincinnati and versus Philadelphia. Brett Anderson at Baltimore at Texas. Alex, why don't you go ahead and lead off? Can I just say no? <laughs> Can I just say like no to all of them? I mean, I, there are other guys I'm more interested who are under 20% owned with a gun to my head. Once again, I hate to say this. I think you have to go Estrada. I don't trust Velasquez against the Nationals. Estrada's familiar with the Orioles. His fastball and changeup are working to start the year. I think uh, Estrada's my guy. Jason? You know Estrada's going to be my guy. Yeah. Oh, nice. I, this is you know somebody I recommended picking up off the garbage heap uh, all winter. I think I have... I mean, I have eight teams and I have 12 shares of Estrada this year. Oh I don't think God. I paid. I don't think I paid more than $2 in two or three in any league. <laughs> you, you have 12 shares and 13 total dollars spent. Right. <laughs> and, and he's looked and he's looked good. I mean, I watched him pitch the other night. We was pitching against Boston. He gave, had a mistake. Uh, was it? I forgot who hit the home run off him. Somebody got him. And that's that's to be expected. That's going to happen. But he's you know, – I'm a fan of effective velocity. He does it. He makes that, that pedestrian fastball look good up and then just buries the changeup. And you know, the first start, the overall numbers are a little skewed because he pitched in Japan. That's going to happen. But he he handled Boston rather well. He's not going to not going to get a lot of strikeouts, um, but he's a great fit for that Oakland Park. And he, uh, I tweeted on – was it Wednesday night – yeah, it was Wednesday night because uh, I was watching a game from Portland, and he was pitching out of a rocking chair, and then the next inning gave up the the home run to uh, whoever it was. I forgot exactly who hit it, uh, but that got to him. But of this group, it looked good. I mean, Brett Anderson, I, again, saw pitch against Eduardo Rodriguez, and I was living the blessed life seeing Eduardo Rodriguez versus Brett Anderson. And <laughs> Brett Anderson put up a three spot in the first inning as he walked the bases loaded. Uh, and then, But honestly, settled down after that, and the ballpark bailed him out a few times because he uh, – uh, a lot of pop-ups that stayed in the park that would have been foul balls in all the other parks in the league uh, that bailed him out. He did give up. I believe it was him that gave up the big homer uh, to J.D. Martinez the opposite way. Uh, 
uh, in that. But yeah, for me, it's Estrada's the clear winner in this group. It was Blake Swihart, by the way. There you go. On oh. his birthday. On his birthday, oh. too. It was Swihart's oh. birthday. Oh, happy birthday, buddy. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to go with Velasquez if I've got a gun to my head. Uh, at least you'll get some strikeouts. It may be ugly, but you get at Miami for the second one, so hopefully you can survive the first one uh, versus Wash- uh, versus Washington. And then he gets to go at Miami. So I think if I'm – I'd probably stay away from all of these guys, but uh, Estrada's interesting, but being at Baltimore and at Arlington just scares me a little bit. Uh, all right, now for guys who are under 20% owned. God. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of scaring oh, you, me just you, a little bit, you think this is bad now? Just wait about two or three months from now. We're talking about these guys. Um, this is always a fun one. Uh, we have Felix Hernandez, which is makes me really sad that he's under twenty percent owned uh, at Kansas City, and then home versus Houston. Jason Vargas, uh, home versus Minnesota, and then home versus Colorado. Derek Holland, home versus San Diego, and then home versus Colorado which doesn't make any sense, and I don't know how I have it like that. Because I don't know how Vargas and Holland could both have their second start be home versus Colorado. So uh, I will double-check that. Uh, Homer Bailey, uh, home versus Seattle, and home versus Cleveland. And uh, Andrew Kashner, uh, home versus Oakland, and then at Boston. Uh, Alex, while I look up uh, where Derek Holland and and Jason Vargas' second start are, uh, give me your thoughts on this one. I'll look up Vargas. Yeah. You look up Holland. I'll look them up uh, at the same time. It is Holland's second start is going to be at Colorado. So it's Vargas okay. who's, who's the, the one who's wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, and I'm actually going to stick with Holland. Um, the CSW stuff is still there. The Rockies are still hurting. And, oh, wait, this start is going to be in cores. I thought the start was going no, to no, be. No, it, it, no, it, it's, it's home versus. Uh, oh, it is. It is. So. Okay, good. Vargas uh, is then, in Atlanta. Thank you. Vargas in Atlanta. Oh, that does make no, I'm still gonna go with Holland. The swing and miss stuff has still been there for him. Um, and it might not look like it, but he he's still getting a good amount of whiffs. So San Diego and Colorado are definitely two of the scarier offenses on this list. But in terms of stuff, I think he has the better stuff than any guy on this list. Homer Bailey didn't have a single pitch. Uh, that had a positive P-Val last year, which blows my mind because he has five of them and not one had a positive P-Val. Felix Hernandez, two years ago, I started calling him Prince Felix as opposed to King Felix. Now, I don't know what he, like, how how, how far can we demote him? Like The Duke of Pop Felix? The, even lower, like, he's an untouchable, you know what I mean? Like, Chester how low Felix. do you have to, Chester, yeah, but he's Chester. not even funny. Yeah. He's not, he's not even funny anymore. It's just sad. I guess sometimes gestures are sad, too. Um, Vargas I'm not interested in. Andrew Kasher actually isn't a terrible play uh, versus Oakland just because of – I think he's going – is it going to be in Oakland? No, it's going to be in Baltimore. It's going to be in Baltimore, yeah. and then he has to go to Boston. Pass. Yeah, then I'm not about it. Yeah, Derek Holland, I think you got to go with him. So I'm going to go – I'm going to lean the other way and go with Vargas only because the home start against Minnesota where Nelson Cruz rides the bench makes that lineup – makes that matchup a little better, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, it's a great point. Okay, I thought it was pot. Yeah, that uh, that's why I'm, I'm just going to lean that way, just so to give a difference of opinion. Because I think Holland is the is the best option here, but I I don't want to ignore Vargas with Minnesota having to play under the National League rules, and then uh, Atlanta Vargas, you know, with the to be able to uh, it, it's the lineup's been a little hit and miss uh, with Atlanta, but I think it's maybe a sneaky play uh, on the cheap there. So I'm gonna go Vargas. Do you think they maybe put him in right field for one of those starts? 
Oh man, I mean, but he he uh, they're in Philly right now, and he hasn't played the field yet. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow, they have that many. They have that many right out of the gate. Two now, two interleague, wow. two interleague back to back series. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, that's messed up. Again, uh, interleague play is just about as dumb as uh, unbalanced scheduling. I can't stand it. I truly can't stand it. <laughs> just get rid of the D yeah. or get rid of get rid of uh, pitchers, pitchers hitting, hitting, and it all it yes. all evens out. So. I love uh, it when dad gets angry. That's I've, right. I've come around yeah. on uh, after after this podcast. I'm gonna go yell at some clouds. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna go with Derek Holland as well. Uh, that San Diego start is a little bit uh, concerning just because he got beat up by San Diego in his first start. Uh, but Colorado has been awful against left-handed pitching this year and awful on the road. Uh, so even though it's in, or especially cause it's in uh, San Francisco, uh, I'll, I'll take a shot that he can survive that first start and, and, and then, uh, have a nice second start against Colorado in San Francisco. So, all right, that is going to do it for this episode. Uh, Alex, thank you for joining us. Oh my God, guys. It was absolutely a pleasure. Uh, uh, Mason, I imagine you're going to go to sleep, which is exciting to me because Caleb yes. Smith's going to pitch soon. And oh, in, I don't in, want... he's pitching in, the... in Atlanta. Oh, in Atlanta, uh, I was about to say, the Cincinnati start's want, coming. Uh, I don't want I want to have a, some peace of mind before he gets shelled and you just destroy me on Twitter. Yeah, I'm I'm going to definitely be calling you and recording it. So, <laughs> uh, man. No, I, I mean, I will say I, I was looking up something here real quick because I did a draft. I did a draft for somebody. Uh, I picked up Caleb Smith for five dollars in a keeper NL keeper league last weekend. Oh, that's a great price. I, I was love, I was surprised. I, I, I picked up Arietta, Samarja, Smith, Jeffress, and Daniel Robertson, and spent forty one dollars on those five pitchers. I love it. Hey, I uh, uh, from I I do uh, weekly uh, pitcher rankings, top seventy five over at uh, uh, Fantasy Alarm. It's a, it's a new thing, and it's it's super aggravating. But uh, moved Caleb Smith into my top seventy five. Let's so. go, baby. Nice. Hey, I got two things real quick. One, I'm going to eat some humble pie mm. only because I, I every time Jorge Alfaro's name was mentioned this offseason, I said he can't hit. And he's got three home runs and two of them were to the opposite <laughs> field last night. Uh, and they were legit. By, and it, it's impressive to me when somebody goes apple on a breaking pitch. A fastball wow. is one thing. Like, you're like, OK, yeah. you hit it. But he went apple on the breaking pitch, too. And it was from it was I think it was. uh However, the the second home run was off Minter. The first one, whoever was the previous, but he went hit two opposite field home runs. Uh, but the other one again was plate coverage. Saw the breaking ball and still was able to react and hit it out. So I mean, yeah, he's got legit power. So he had the uh, other one. I did roster in one league, but I made, I made fun of myself for rostering Mike Zanino and Jorge Alfaro as my two catchers. I think it was in the the fantasy baseball invitational. Mike Zanino is as bad as I thought he would be so far. Um, you want to talk about bad at bats and then, but yeah, there's Alfaro hitting, but I wanted to real quick. I was wondering how your home leagues, cause this came up in the one I was at yesterday, how your home leagues have been dealing with Otani this year, because a guy in our league kept him and mm-hmm. wanted to, had to keep him at utility cause he didn't qualify in the field last year, mm-hmm. but then wanted to move him to pitcher during the draft. So he could draft another guy. And I was very adamant that he should be able to, because last year he was drafted as one player with the ability to move him around each time. He should retain and that he eligibility. Pitched, he pitched 51 and two thirds innings last year. So it wasn't like he was a, a novelty item at pitcher. He pitched more than a lot of actual relievers did last year and he hit. So I, I was adamant like he should be in both. So we're going to have to add the constant to say, okay, you have to pitch. We're now going to be, we're now going to put something in there about how many innings you have to pitch to qualify as a pitcher. 
at a season to say, okay, you had to be, you know, you had to be. Yeah, I don't like that. Or, or the, 20, but you got to do something because. He, he should have been Michael able. Robinson. He should have qualified at pitcher in your draft, but he should not qualify at a, as a pitcher to start next season. Correct. That would yeah, that would be correct. He, loses he, would, he would lose if he didn't if he doesn't pitch. Yeah, in 19, he has he to, has he has to wait to, five starts or five appearances before yeah. he becomes. Or a you make the or you make the declaration. You have to declare what he's going to be at the draft, and you can't. Well, isn't lose. that? Yeah, that's. Well, isn't aren't the aren't MLB rules officially changing to that? And maybe next year he's too. In terms be of the exception the player? of that too. So okay. well, you got yeah. Lorenzen. You're going to have uh, Brendan. Well, they're telling Brendan McKay he can't. Um, pitch anymore he can't yeah, yeah i don't think he well can and pitch i don't anymore. think uh i don't think hunter green is pitching or is gonna be uh playing be the field anymore the um yeah. yeah so i was just curious it came up yeah it's come up in every draft and i keep meaning to talk about it yeah i think the, i mean the the right way to do that is that he's eligible at both positions coming into this season but next season he loses his pitcher eligibility because he won't be pitching this year and he will be hitting if he was yep, sitting yeah. out the entire year uh, out of both then he could retain both coming into next year. But the fact that he's going to hit at some point this year makes him a hitter only going into next year, uh, which is something that people should be aware of if you play on fan tracks or uh, other sites with uh, where he's got dual eligibility. This dual will eligibility. be an issue uh, if it's not written into your constitution otherwise. Yeah. Yep. Get it taken care of now, guys, for next year. All right. In-season rule changes are dumb. But uh, <laughs> definitely, get it, definitely, get it yeah, get ahead of this 2020 one. 2020 draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, we good to go next week, Jason? Uh, no, next week is is my 16th wedding anniversary. Oh. I would like to make it to 17. All right, uh, and well, so I will be in Asheville all weekend. But I am a no go next weekend. All right, well then you and I will get together again in probably three weeks because the weekend after that is Easter. Uh, so I don't think yeah, that's I'll never be available. So uh, we will get together in about three weeks. Uh, but I will try to find a guest for next week, uh, so that way we don't miss out on uh, another recording. So uh, that's going to do it for uh, Jason, Alex, myself. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you.